Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the soon-to-be-renamed Nothing But Net Media Podcast. I'm your host, John Guana, joined, as always, by Logan Thunder, women's NBL One North head coach. Congratulations, Braden. It's official. You are the uh, Logan Thunder women's NBL One North head coach. Was there ever any doubt to that? Come on. No, not at all, mate. It was just a formality, so... Good to be back and uh, hopefully have another shot at um, winning something for the club this year. Uh, coming off a QSL championship, uh, looking to take that next step in that NBL 1 North. We wish you and the team all the best of luck. Obviously, you're doing uh, your sports reporting as well. You did some WNBL sideline reporting. You're just all over the place. I love it. All over the place, man. It's good that the uh, the media's decided to get into basketball. It's um, made my more, uh, job more enjoyable for sure. Uh, and the media has had a lot of basketball to get into, particularly uh, in round two. Like we always do, we'll wrap the previous week before we get into uh, this current round uh, because it's been so much basketball. They kind of have all just ran, run right into each other where I think the the last night we haven't had a basketball game was uh, a week ago this time, maybe even Tuesday night last week. I, I can't keep track of it. There's been so much basketball and so much good basketball, Braden. Uh, in round two, it feels like a lifetime ago because we are recording this on Wednesday night here in Brisbane. But in the previous round, round two action, a lot of great games. What stood out to you most in round two and whose performances were caught your attention? Well, well to me, it, it's one team that I think um – Probably comes as a little bit of a surprise this year, but uh, someone I've got in the in the top four, and a lot of people haven't because of their roster. But um, you know, the Perth Wildcats got their first opportunity to get on the court after you know having to stay in the quarantine after returning from Brisbane and having a bit of an extended break um, and start the season a bit later than everyone else. And to me, uh, this was the perfect opportunity, as we spoke about um, in the recent podcast, Johnny, for you know a team to go into Perth. I think, and knock them off early on because they, you know, they would have been a bit rusty having not played for so long and everything. But, um, you know, I know everyone's waiting for Bryce Cotton to get his citizenship and uh, all that sort of stuff. But to me, you know, they look like the same old Perth to me. They were great defensively um, and beat a pretty good Phoenix team um, pretty comfortably at home. I know they used a, a massive fourth quarter performance, you know, really locking down the Phoenix and, um, Bryce Cotton, once again, does what he does, and he had 27 points and seven um, assists as well. So, But to me, the, the biggest contribution is they need John Mooney to be able to stand up and make a consistent perform uh, contribution for them each week. And he did that with 13 points, 14 rebounds. I thought he was really good just energy-wise, defense-wise, got his opportunities on the offensive end when he, when he could, and and then they just had contributions around that. They had Mitch Norton chip in double figures. Toddy Blanchfield had 16 as well. And um, Tom Jervis looked great. I know he only played seven and a half minutes, but had eight points, four rebounds in limited minutes after coming off, you know, coming back from retirement. So um, Perth, to me, I know everyone's writing them off, but they are the same old team that they used to be, um, you know, that they've been in previous years. And if anyone writes them off, I think, they're wrong in doing so. So um, Perth, one of the one of the big standouts for me after the first, or sorry, after that weekend. Perth, I just don't know how you can sleep on them. Uh, just with the success and the sustained success that they've had 
uh, over the last, what, 30 years. I don't know how you could ever question them, and particularly with Bryce Cotton in there. He is the best player in the competition, uh, import, Australian, whatever you want to say. He is a championship winner, and if you have him on the roster at this point in his career, you're a contender in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's probably got a different sort of look around him this year. He's probably got more shooters, you know, John Mooney as a big can even shoot the ball. And then you've got Toddy Blanchfield who's made the move over to Perth. Uh, Clint Steind or Jesse Wagstaff, all those guys can shoot the ball. So he's probably got more shooters around him than he's had in the past, which will be big for him. And I know, you know, the big man's apartment might be a bit of an issue for him against the, the better teams. But, um, you know, they looked really good in that first game. And I think, you know, they're a top four team for sure. Another team that has been the talk of, of the early season is the Hawks. They remain undefeated. They got a uh, big win in, in Brisbane, the game that, that I was at, uh, and they just looked fantastic. They took uh, a punch in the mouth from uh, the Bullets. But before we get to the Hawks, I should also mention the title favorites. Everyone's tip to win the championship, Melbourne United. They took everything that Cairns could handle, uh, get, could give them, they handled it with poise and championship poise, in my opinion. They come away with that 87-85 win over a somewhat struggling Taipans team. Yeah, for sure. I think you know both of those teams have looked uh, uh, above and beyond compared to the others early on in the season. I think you know the thing that stands out for me from both teams is they look tough. You know, they look like together. They look like they've all bought into what they're doing early on, and I think that's shown. You know, the Hawks have been. You know, apart from that Cairns game where they won in the uh, their second game, um, apart from that, the two games against the Bullets, the Hawks have been pushed and, um, you know, they've managed to fight back and um, managed to get the wins, you know, when it, when it mattered most or make the big plays when it mattered most. And Melbourne United, they, you know, started off with a massive performance over um, Adelaide, a, a dominant win down there. And then, as you mentioned, they were pushed all the way as far as Cairns coming back the other night but um you know probably a bit of toughness can um compared to last year where they probably would have let that game slip um they look like a completely different team just more tougher more together and defensively they look really good as well so um you know those are the two standouts so far and they look like just the most team orientated guys so far so um you know melbourne united and the hawks definitely the standouts after the um the first uh, couple of weeks how good has Jock Landell looked in a Melbourne United uniform, by the way? Yeah, and the biggest thing is he's not trying to force anything. You know, he's coming into the league as a superstar. Um, you know, and a lot of people come in trying to get their shots up, and if they don't, they go out of their way to get them and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he's doing all the things you you expect of, you know, a guy that wants to win a championship as far as he's playing defense, uh, he's doing all the dirty stuff. He's letting offense come to him. And they've got so many weapons around him as well that, you know, he can let those guys, um, you know, uh, have their time on the offensive end and he'll get his eventually. And when it comes down to it at the end of the season, he'll be their, you know, go-to guy. But um, he's really impressed me early on. I know he's a superstar, but just the way he's gone about it more than anything has impressed me and obviously impressed a lot of people across the league. Let's talk about the Hawks because – they really have been the surprise packet, and we talked about it last week. The bandwagon, I think, picked up a few more people after that performance against Brisbane. 
Yeah, absolutely. And look, uh, I've said it with a you know a couple other teams that we've mentioned, but you know the biggest thing for me with looking at the Hawks is you know we know they can score and we know they've got shooters. You know, probably the best shooting combo in the league as far as Justinian Jessup and Tyler Harvey, but you know they look like they've really sort of bought into the defensive end as well. And you know, as I said last week, Gorge will throw some different things at you, and um, Sam Froling's been really big on that end, and probably an area he's needed to improve on after last year and all that sort of stuff. But um, they just look really good as far as, um, you know, staying the course during games. Like I said, fighting through adversity against, you know, some um, runs from the Bullets in the two games they played against them. But just defensively, they look much better than I thought they would have. And if they can be like that, with the amount of points they can put up, um, you know, they could beat anyone on their day and feature at the end of the season if they, you know, can keep building on this. And, you know, they've still got players to come back in Dangadell and Cam Best, though. So um, they've got a lot more firepower to come, and um, they'll be a, a championship contender going forward, I think. I think the Bullets would have been disappointed not to pick up a, a win in those first two games against the Hawks. You would have thought that the expectation would be they would have at least split that, that two games with the Hawks, especially in Nissan Arena. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, if, if the past years are anything to go by, the, the Bullets really struggle to win games, you know, early on. Um, you know, so and they really struggled in those two games against the Hawks to, to figure out how to close games with this new roster. And, um, you know, the Hawks obviously know where their bed, uh, bread's butted as far as going to Tyler Harvey and some of the, the shots he made in that second game as far as, you know, those floaters. It wasn't so much from the three-point line. It was you know, those floaters in the second half that really, um, you know, allowed him to, to take over the game. So um, they would have expected to split it, but I think they still got some things sorted and, um, you know, it led to, to, to a win on Australia Day. So, you know, now that they've got that win, I don't think they'll be too disappointed with those first two performances. Well, what do you know, Braden? We do have a guest with us tonight. And joining us on the podcast now is Brisbane Bullets general manager and former NBL great Sam McKinnon. Sam, thank you so much for chatting to us tonight. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Brayden. Sam, uh, obviously Bullets coming in off of their first win of the season, 90-87 yesterday over the Sydney Kings. Must be a bit of a relief to pick up that first win after two tough losses to the Hawks. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's always nice after such a big um, off season, and just to wonder where you're at as a group to the first two games against the Hawks, where we kind of had our chances, but um, for whatever reasons couldn't couldn't get it done, and and then to get that first win against the Kings, I just thought our intent and our I guess our effort and relentlessness for 40 minutes sort of got us over the line. Um, great to see the the Serbian Vic Law combination um, combined for 53 points. So we'll keep a close eye on that as the season goes on because they're going to be our guys and um, other players will pop up here and there. But um, it's good to have Hodgie back as well just for the rotation. And Sam, obviously, uh, as far as, you know, you being in the new position now, not, you know, making the switch from, uh, assistant coach, the general manager. When you put this team together in the off season, what sort of um, were you looking looking for when you put the roster together? Obviously, you had some departures in 
Lamar Patterson, Cam Glidden, Ruben Tarangi, um, guys like that. But then you replace them with, you know, Vic Law, Harry Froling, guys like Tanner Krebs and, and that sort of thing. What were you sort of aiming for during that offseason and um, what did you want the team to, to look like? Yeah, I guess that's part of the the postseason um, review that Dre, CJ, and I held, and um, we had a really experienced group last year. Where with also with three imports, but a lot of I guess the the eight other spots were guys that could start on most NBL teams. And you throw Mika Vakona in that mix as well. And um, with when COVID kind of hit, we started talking to a few people, and we locked away Drimmick pretty early because. Adelaide didn't want him, so we thought that was a good signing for us to give us depth in the perimeter. Um, and then we just thought we'd uh, get a call, really, of you know when the new rostering of ten players. We thought we can get seven players who have got experience with uh, you know uh, probably younger guys. Um, obviously, Tyrell's been around for a while, but that's where Camry and and Tanner came into it. Um, guys have been thought can make a contribution and force their way into the rotation but based it around seven players it's up to those guys and you've seen it already this year with Tyrell Harrison um, with Hodgie being out size on um, on Tuesday played his best NBL game of his career so um, he's only going to get better and we've all seen what Tamri can do in his limited minutes and Tanner unfortunately got a head knock but he's probably the one who was, had been really good all pre-season so Three really good young kids to push those veterans, so to speak. So that's sort of how we built the roster for this year. Sam, you touched on Tyrell Harrison. We've seen him perform the game against Sydney, arguably the best game of his career. But he had the best game of his career the game before that against the Hawks as well. Were you expecting <laughs> him to make the impact that he has so far in the early season that, that, that he has done? Yeah, to tell the truth, we are. He's been training for his fourth year I think it is so we do expect him to when his number's called or his name's called by Dre to, to step up and make a make his mark he's seven foot he's long he's left handed but finishes right around the rim so um, and the thing about it the expectation of him having to carry a load like in a, a lower level like a QBL he's not there for tie and he's not there yet as a player but what he is is his length and size and mobility, playing with good point guards, and seeing what we're seeing now. So, to tell the truth, I was was hoping for it and kind of expecting him to to do well. And and Sammy, with um, the import switch this year, obviously Orlando Johnson coming in, but um, Vic Law looks like a, a stud in this league. What what did you see? when you were going through that import recruiting sort of process in him that you guys really liked and. Um, and then also, you know, in the last two years, you've had Lamar Patterson, who's been able to close out games, and that for you guys. How, without him this year and a different type of player in Vic Law, how do you guys think um, you guys can sort of fix that hole? Is it by, you know, what you said yesterday as far as, um, you know, a combination like Vic and Sobe, or how do you see that sort of playing out? Yeah, losing Lamar was, was always big. Like, we... we put our best foot forward to um, re-sign him pre-COVID and then that happened and everyone in the league kind of walked away from contracts and we picked it back up when we knew the league was going to happen and just couldn't get it done with LP um, sort of certain terms that couldn't be agreed to and um, so we went a different pathway that's where 
Orlando um, came in the picture and um, you know, his story's great and just as a human being, just really good and a good team fit. Um, I think he was only going to get better as the season goes on. Um, so that was sort of why we signed Orlando. And then um, there's always the whispers of Will clearly going to the NBA. So that's where we were kind of hedging our bets that that would happen. And when that happened, we would sort of think, well, we need to get someone who can probably be a bit LP-ish, to so, so, to, so, so to speak, and carry load offensively. And that's who Vic is. So um, we knew what we are getting with both imports. And we think they, um, they balanced the team out well, but the team's based on having everyone fit. So, I mean, depth's going to be the key one. So we've got a good medical staff to to manage the group and um, their wellness and health and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I just say on I think Tuesday was the first game we played together as a full team. Um, even though Hodgie was on restricted minutes, um, it was good. So, um, hopefully we get a lot better as the season goes on. You mentioned him earlier, but I want to talk about the play of Nathan Sobey uh, early so far this season. Uh, he was the captain in the win against Sydney, played with lots and lots of energy. Uh, I think you can see the difference between the first two games and then the game against Sydney where early on in the season he seemed to be settling for jump shots. He seemed a lot more aggressive getting to the rim in the win against Sydney. What were your thoughts on, on his play to start the season, and in particular that game against Sydney? Well, you just summed up there. I think Sobes has to get downhill a bit more, and he did that, and um, he that's his strength is get into the rim, and once that happens, that opens his game up, and as a group, we weren't shooting the ball well. Some of the shots in the first two games weren't great, and I just thought in the particularly the first half, we only shot eight threes and didn't shoot at a great clip, but we we got inside and we dominated in the paint and we are leading by three, even though the Kings were shooting like 47% at half. So um, it was nice just to, for Sobes to lead that way. And in the second half, we just, um, Vic's going to have to get a nice comfy saddle because we're going to ride him. And, and then um, Sobes does his thing as well. And, There'll be games where Harry will have 15, Hodgie will have 15, like Ty at 11-11. Guys are going to pop up and that's going to be our strength. Is We're going to have two guys that we go to, but it's up to the other guys to stand up and and contribute. And I thought Orlando, even though he didn't, didn't score, defensively chased Casper around ball screens, intimidated him with his jump shot. Um, everyone played their part, so it was pleasant to see. And, and Sammy, you know, aside from the the playing and on court stuff, now um, some big news with the with the club in the last week with Sadius Young coming on board as a um, you know buying into the bullets, you know, along with obviously the previous group in in Kevin Martin and his group. But how big is it for the club um, to have someone like that come on board? You know, just for the security, given the you know previous bullets history and everything, and just for the future of the club um, and basketball in Brisbane. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the, there's a lot of names in the ownership group that have bought on, clearly led by by Kevin, and now Thaddeus both being the ex-NBA players. Well, sorry, Kevin the ex, and Thaddeus current Chicago Bull player. <laughs> um, so that brings with it a certain... Um, 
I guess they just their connections. Um, so we're really keen for Larry's been fantastic to get the boards up and running, but uh, he's brought some good people in, and we're keen to see what connections uh, Kevin and Stad have. And um, so there's lots of behind the scenes as well. And once they do take over, we um, hope that the Bullets brand come bigger and better. And uh, I don't think we need to spend exorbitant amounts of money to have a competitive roster, but um, we'll see which direction they they uh, take us in. Sam, can you give us a bit of an insight to the conversations that you have had with with Kevin Martin, uh, not only through his uh, initial announcement as the principal uh, partner, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, of this Bullets ownership group, but uh, from from that day to to now and what those conversations are like? Yeah, Kevin's uh, the managing partner, so he manages that relationship and uh, he talks to Peter about the finances and the daily runnings of the club and, and where we're at. And I guess myself and Andre would talk about the basketball department in particular, but um, Kevin's trusting in uh, Andre and myself and with the intel that we give him about the, I guess, the basketball department and where we see it moving forward. Um, so that's how you get better and better. Um, as the season goes on and as they take over the, the running of the club. But, yeah, it's really positive and we're looking forward to, um, I guess, capitalising on the work that Larry's done with us and, and then getting a new ownership group in and see where they can take the club to. Where, where do you think that is, Sam? Obviously, you've been a part of the Bullets, you know, as a player and then, you know, in the process when it folded a while ago and now that it's been back up. But, you know, even with... Um, you know, the restrictions easing with COVID, you know, there was a packed stadium there yesterday and now more, like more good news the other day with Thaddeus Young coming on board. Where do you think, you know, is the potential for this club um, to go in the future and, and raise the profile of this um, sport uh, in, in Brisbane? Well, I think it's that. It's trying to sell the crowds out, trying to get 5,000 people to, to Nissan Arena. Um, that's our... That's our venue and, and make it a fortress where we clubs come in, other teams in the NBL come in and find it hard to win. Um, we get our corporate hospitality up and running and um, just present a really good, I guess, um, entertainment package for the Brisbane public. We need to engage basketball people, uh, do a better job there, but also find new people that come in. Basketball is one of those sorts where people go, oh, I've been to a sports game, loved it. We need again to come back um, because we've been very fortunate to have the likes of Eddie Groves in the past, um, you know, effectively bankroll the club, but, but it needs to be sustainable. So hoping that with Kevin and the consortium's connections that we're not just about basketball, we might be able to do some other things that um, bring more income into the club and make it sustainable so we can just be around here for the next 40 years without any, any interruption. So... That's where I hope the, the new consortium can, can take us to. Sam, it's certainly exciting times with the Bullets, not only on the court but off the court. You had that great win against Sydney. Thank you so much for chatting with us tonight and all the best on Saturday in that sunsh- Sunshine State stash. I better get that right, uh, versus Cairns. <laughs> Good luck on Saturday, Sam, and thanks again for joining us tonight. No worries. Thanks, guys. 
That's uh, Sam McKinnon, Brisbane Bullets great, and the general manager of a super exciting team, Braden. They come in off of that big win versus Sydney. What do you think and what are your thoughts on that performance and also the matchup on Saturday versus Cairns? We are recording this on uh, Wednesday night. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is their defense is still um, one of the best in the league. Uh, I think, you know, as we've spoken about the previous podcast, I think that's going to be an area that they're known for this year. But the, the sort of big question was, could they close out games and could they score enough points? And as, as Sam mentioned, I think they found a way or a bit of a combination where they can try and close out games. And that's through, you know, Nathan Sobey and Vic Law and playing sort of exclusively through them. And then, um, you know, they did that yesterday and it really worked. So, um, you know, I think that was a, a big step forward for them. And if they can repeat that and, and build on that, they'll uh, hold themselves in good stead going forward. I thought defensively they they were very good. Sam touched on it also. Orlando Johnson, you bring him in as an import with NBA experience, you expect to see those big stats, but it was the defense for me that really stood out from Johnson. You know, to keep Casper Ware pretty quiet, a lot of that was primarily through Johnson, although got to give credit where it's due. The Bullets threw a lot of different looks at him, but to bring in someone like an Orlando Johnson and for him to get that defensive assignment was a key to that, that win against Sydney. And it'll be interesting to see if they throw him out uh, again again on Saturday against Machado because uh, I think with a lot of the teams, if you can slow down that point guard, uh, you might cause some, some troubles. And I think playing Sydney yesterday and then going into a game against uh, the, the Taipans on Saturday, they're kind of similar rosters if you look at them. Yeah, for sure. I think he was really good defensively against the Hawks the other night as well. And um, the biggest thing is if he can give them some sort of offensive contribution as well, um, that'll be huge for the Bullets. And, and it really eases the pressure on, you know, guys like Jason Kadee and Nathan Sobey as well. They don't have to take those type of assignments full time like Sobey probably has in the past. So, um, you know, he looks like he's bought into that role, which is half the battle. And um, that'll be huge. Um, going forward for the Bullets, because as we know, you know, the league is sort of based on those guards like Bryce Cotton, Tyler Harvey, um, Scott Machado, Casper, as you said. So if they can do a job on those guys, they'll um, give themselves a chance of being there at the end of the season. What's your prediction for the Bullets-Cans game? Arguably one of the games of the weekend, or the round, I should say. Yeah, well, I think uh, I think it primarily, um, uh, I think it goes on... What, what cans can or what adjustments cans make I think you know that's the one of the points I really wanted to make tonight was to me they've been the disappointment so far of you know the NBL season so far I think they've been really poor and I mentioned it to you Johnny you can see the the glaring absence that um, is DJ Newbel just defensively um, and everything that he brings brought to that team last year I think you know, bringing Mirko Jarek into that starting five. I know he gives offense and that sort of thing. Um, but there's no sort of defensive anchor, really. And that's what DJ Newbill was. And they can't really slow teams down from scoring. And uh, and then on top of that, they haven't got any production from the bench at all. They're averaging, I think, 12 points a game from the bench. And, you know, games where they had 18 points, it's been Mojave King who's had, you know, double digits. So they're really struggling to get production. I think... Um, if they can't get, um, you know, perform well in defensive end and get production from, you know, the bench as well as a guy like Majok Dang who's really struggled to start the season and we've seen him 
move to the bench. So I think if the Bullets can build on that uh, performance against Sydney, I think they've got the uh, the leg up on that one. I expect them to get the win. I like the prediction. We have touched on the first game of the round, which was that Bullets-Kings game, uh, a game that just wrapped just before we chatted to uh, Sam was the Adelaide 36ers getting another win uh, over the New Zealand Breakers, 88-78. Pretty disappointing start for New Zealand. I've spoken to a couple of players and coaches from the Sydney Kings, from teams like uh, the Hawks, who have really been doing a lot of traveling, not been home, constantly on the road, living at a hotels. Different experiences for different teams. You see the Hawks really coming together, coming out of the gates, firing. Uh, New Zealand, though, is on the other end of the spectrum where they seem to be a bit disjointed and not really there just yet. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Adelaide win? They moved to 3-2 and two with the win, uh, but also the kind of disappointing performance so far from New Zealand through their first two games. Yeah, well, I think uh, a big adjustment has been made by the 36ers. I think it comes back to the conversation we had with Connor Henry. I think, you know, he was hesitant to move, you know, adjust the starting lineup after those first few games. But the way um, they were playing, I know they won one game in overtime against Southeast Melbourne, but they looked pretty ordinary across those first three games. And they moved Isaac Humphreys into the starting lineup, switched up, you know, the other the guards with Donald Sloan going to the bench and. Josh Giddy starting along with Crocker and, and Sunday Detch. So to me, they've been much better defensively and they probably haven't been that fast-paced team um, that a lot predicted. You know, their, their fast break points have been pretty average across all, all these games. The first four games, they had five, four, three and two fast break points. So, um, But I think with that adjustment, what they've done is they've been able to get stops. So they've not sort of got fast break points, but they've still been able to play you know, with a bit more flow and pace offensively. And they've got sort of Josh Giddy controlling, you know, the offense now and he's getting through sets. You know, I think we spoke during one game. It looked like they were playing in transition when they weren't in transition. They were shooting, you know, pull-up threes off one pass, off one on-ball when they, all the defense was back. And their offense looked really clunky, clunky. And I think, you know, with the adjustment to the starting lineup and Donald Sloan come off the bench, they really looked good and, to me, Isaac Humphreys is, you know, putting up MVP numbers right now. He was sensational the other night and, and again tonight. So the way they've been able to do it is by defense and, um, you know, owning the boards with two bigs. And to me, the, the guy that's really struggled for them is Keanu Pinder. I'd love, love to see Jack McVay get a bit more of his minutes. And I think if they do that, they can go forward. But on the New Zealand thing, I, I know it's been said a lot, but they're really struggling. And it's been a, a point that's been well made across the last couple of seasons is Lamar Patterson's coming out of shape again. And, um, you know, as we've seen with the Bullets, they were lucky to get away with it the first year to make the playoffs. But it, it cost them at times last year because they lost the first few games while he was getting into shape. I know he won games for them after that, but really struggled to start the season. That's transferred over to the Breakers. But for me, one of the biggest things for the Breakers is I think they've missed an opportunity with their import signings as far as Colton Iverson. I think they've picked up a slower... Um, you know, bigger, big in Colton Iverson. He's kind of a um, plotter. He played well tonight, but that, to me, they've already got a big, you know, slow, big in in Rob Lowe. I think they missed an opportunity to get a big athletic guy who can dominate the defensive end, dominate the boards and all that sort of stuff that can sort of ignite New Zealand on both ends of the floor and bring a bit more excitement, a bit more hunger because 
Dan Shamir tonight said that during the timeout. They're lacking a bit of fire. So I think New Zealand have really missed the trick and they've looked really disappointing to start the first two games. I couldn't agree with you more. I think you broke that down really well. I think you got to think, though, that they're going to bounce back and come back. They just have too much talent not to be in the top four, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think they'll bounce back. But to me, it's whether they can be that elite team that everyone was talking about. I think, you know, we really see big, slow, big struggle defensively in this league. And I know Colton Iverson is still getting used to the game, but he got, you know, isolated in on-ball situations and everything in that first game. Got in foul trouble early. I think he had 3,003 minutes. And Rob Lowe's not the best defender. And, you know, like, if they want to play at the pace they want to and get up shots and everything like that, I think they need to have that anchored defensively. And I think that's a really glaring sort of omission for them at the moment. New Zealand will have uh, an opportunity to bounce back. Unfortunately for them, it's not going to be uh, in this round. Uh, they will won't be seeing them again until uh, – excuse me, I'm sorry. I – jumped ahead of myself we will see them uh, but it doesn't get any easier for the breakers as they have to go all the way out to western australia to take on the perth wildcats uh, i know i said it the brisbane cans game is the game of the week but it's got to be perth new zealand on sunday right yeah i think i think so and i think also the the big game for me is obviously the melbourne derby with with melbourne united and southeast melbourne phoenix i think you know, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix will be a bit of a work in progress this first few weeks. I think they were really good in patches against Perth the other night. But to me, that's probably the game of the round, followed by the one you said with Perth and New Zealand. I think, um, you know, if New Zealand go in there, that's, like you said, another tough area to play in. And Perth, you know, looked really good. And I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think they are, even if Bryce Cotton doesn't get his, doesn't get his citizenship. So... You know, if New Zealand go in there and go 0-3, it's, it's a big loss for them. But um, watch out for that Melbourne United, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix game too. And we'll also have uh, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix playing Perth on Friday night. Uh, you and I will be mm. calling that game for Clutch Radio. So if uh, you'd like to tune in, definitely follow Clutch Radio on social media. You'll get that live for you. 8.30 Queensland time. I believe it's 9.30 everywhere else <laughs> uh, in, in, in the country. Uh, any other games jump out at you, Braden, before we wrap up the podcast this evening? Um, yeah, I think the massive game is Cairns versus the Hawks tomorrow. Obviously, the Hawks are, are flying after their great start, and you know they've got a bit of a jump uh, You know, being undefeated now. But Cairns, to me, like I said, have been the disappointment to start the season. I think they're really struggling, and um, you know, I, I don't think... I'm making a big call after um, four games, but I don't think they're going to make the top four. Um, I don't think they're good enough defensively, and I don't think they have the depth that they had last year. So, you know, maybe they need to make some adjustments as far as um, Jared Kenny coming into the starting lineup to start off better defensively because his minutes have increased since last year just because they need him defensively. And... um, you know, Majok Dang has had a had a good opening round and then has really struggled since, and he got moved to the bench in favour of Fa- Fabian Krislovic. And, you know, we know guys like Mojave King are going to get better with uh, experience, but you can't expect those guys to, to be, you know, leading the way early in the season as far as producing big numbers. So um, they really need to pick it up defensively. And, you know, if the others aren't going to produce, Cam Oliver and Scott Machado have to put up big numbers to try and get some wins 
while they're working on their, you know, defense and the other areas they need to improve. Because if they don't, as you know, John, this is a tough league and it could be over for them early on. Yeah, I, I think Cairns, you're 100% right, has been the, the most disappointing team thus far with a lot of people tipping them to win or at least be one of the top two teams uh, in a lot of early preseason predictions uh, because of that returning combination of Machado and, and Oliver. I think for me, my my personal opinion on the Taipans is kind of similar to what we had been talking about and and, and, and we did mention it with Sam earlier. Uh, they just settle for too many three-point shots, too many one-dribble pull-ups, too many one-pass three-point shots. You know, when they, they look good when they're on that high pick-and-roll. They get Cam Oliver rolling to the basket. They get that Machado dribble penetration, Mojave King getting dribble penetration, but I just see too many pull-up threes. I understand, you know, threes are better than twos, but just because they're better than twos doesn't mean you have to shoot them every single time. Let's see some guys getting to the rim. And that, to me, was the difference in the Bullets game. And I think until Cans makes a concerted effort to get the ball to the rim, whether it's through the hands of Machado or Oliver, Noy, I mean, they have guys who can attack the rim. Until that, that philosophy changes uh, for the team, and I'm not saying it's coming from the coaches, I, I, I just think that they're settling at the moment. And until that changes, I, I don't see them picking up a win uh, against the Hawks or the Bullets this week, unless it changes. So we'll see what happens. I think it's still very early goings. I think we're all excited because there's live basketball and there's been so many great games and so many great moments already, and we're only into the third round of the season. It's only getting better. Lots of rivalry games this week. We've had basketball every single day. How good has it been, Braden? Yeah, it's it's been amazing. Uh, Obviously, I think, the best thing is, as a basketball fan, you've been able to sort of transition from, you know, pre-Christmas where you had the WNBL and now we've gone straight into the NBL and the games have been really close and, um, you know, you've had games where, you know, people you don't or teams you don't expect to win have, have gotten over the other and teams who have had a bad performance the previous game have bounced back. So uh, it's been really good and we've got, like, like we've said in previous weeks, a lot of youngsters on show and everything as well. So... Um, and like I said, a lot of, I think, seasons on the line early on. So, um, you know, it's been an exciting start, and it'll only get uh, more exciting as we go along. Well, like we said, we do have some exciting games coming up for you the rest of the week. Uh, we'll just go through it before we wrap it up tomorrow, which uh, probably will be today when you hear this. Cans host the Hawks. Then Friday, you've got Perth hosting Southeast Melbourne. Saturday, it is a doubleheader with the Sunshine State Stoush as the Bullets host the Cairns Taipans. Adelaide then also hosts uh, the Sydney Kings later on in the evening. Wrapping things up in the round is Melbourne United versus Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and then Perth and the New Zealand Breakers. A couple of tasty treats for you guys to wrap up the basketball weekend. Braden, that's going to do it for us tonight. I want to thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening to another presentation of we think we might have a new name for it, but we'll go still with the Nothing But Net Media podcast for now. Uh, but we got to settle. We got to settle this, Braden. We'll have something hopefully by the next week's episode. Hey, for sure, we'll have something by next week. All right. Well, for Braden Hessler, I'm John Guana. Thanks everyone again for tuning in to another Nothing But Net Media podcast. We'll see you next week.